Hey, everybody. Welcome back to another great episode of the Build Your Team show. I've got a friend of mine today. We met a couple months ago and we've had some interactions. Let me just tell you, some of the stuff that he is going to share with you today, I've already used and it's already paid dividends. And you're going to be blown away what Brian Galky has to bring to us today. And as always, Build Your Team is brought to you by Client Attraction Pros. Hey, it's time that you become the thought leader of your industry, and we're going to help you do that and make it fast, easy, and fun. Brian, welcome to the show, buddy. Hey, thanks for having me on. Now... I want to start you in a place, and this is the Build Your Team show. We talk all about building team, right? Absolutely. But before we get into some of your mind-blowing stuff, <laughs> right, and where you are today, I want to go back a little bit. Sure. I want to go back to when you first hired your first person, right, your sure. first team member. Talk about where you were emotionally, mentally, mm -hmm. heck, even physically at that time. Right. Sure. So I used to run a help desk back in the day, and that was my first ever leadership position. So I was always the worker bee. And then, you know, what happens? No good deed goes unpunished and you get escalated up within the company. And because I came from a technical background, when I first started hiring people, I strictly looked at alphabet soup. What mm. letters did they have after their name? Because it was in, we're talking the 2000s right after dot com became dot bomb. And what you had to look for first was who had those credentials behind their name? Because there wasn't as much online learning. So you had to find people who actually had to go to a physical class to understand things. But what I slowly realized is what on paper is not always the reality. And so I would hire based on the credentials behind the name before I really learned to understand who the people were. And that's the challenge mm -hmm. is you can have somebody's skill set can be impressive, but how are their people skills? Because even if it's help desk, you still have to know how to talk to people over the phone and how to work with coworkers because the best way to learn when you're in with something is go to your peers first, right? That's a, the way of kind of cross training and promoting is if you don't understand something, learn from somebody else, then what can you teach them? And so while I found these people who are great players in terms of they knew how to do their one job, they weren't good teammates. And that's what the hardest thing to see is we got so used to being raised in by academia that it's all about the credentialing. It's all about where did you go to school? Give me desire to learn and people skills. I can train anything else. And that's what I didn't yeah. know when I first started. And that led to bad hires. And there is yeah. nothing worse in life than having to let somebody go, at least in my opinion. That to me, it was just, it's a very hard thing because I'm a very empathetic person. And I remember one time a guy just kept saying, but why? And every time I gave him reason, finally another manager had to come in and just say, hey, look, it's not working out. You're gonna have to go. Yeah, I had to pause there because I absolutely resonate with that and relate to it. First off, I love the dot com became dot bomb. Right. <laughs> that was great. But I completely resonate with that, Brian, because I was there too. And I was probably even worse than you. So not only was I looking for your credentials, but then I made you come in on an interview and prove it. Like uh -huh. I'd ask you these ridiculous questions <laughs> to prove it. And at least for me, it wasn't until one guy showed up and he was an older guy. He was 20 years older than me. And I'm interviewing mm -hmm. him. 
I'm asking him these ridiculous questions. And he looked at me and he said, young man, I don't know the answer to that question, but I can tell you that blue book on your shelf right there has the answer to the question. Oh, I like that. <laughs> and that was the moment when I had to start to look into, I totally relate, man, to, mm -hmm. to that whole thing. Okay. So you started off there and especially now in 2023, where we are today, we was just having this conversation with my family about how important is education anymore, right? given our access to the internet and now AI. Yes. So how has it evolved for you then in this process of hiring and well, dealing with me, people, I should say? Sure. Yeah. The learning, here's the thing. I'm a perpetual learner. Like people used to call me a nerd all the time, still do. I don't know why I say used to. Because what would I do for vacation? Yeah, sometimes I'd go to the beach, but I would rather go to things like TNC or go to a Steve Sims event, something that I could learn. And that's always been my MO is I would take off vacation to go to seminars and people would say, oh, so did your company pay for it? And I'm like, no. And they're like, so why are you going? I'm like, because I need to improve as a person. And what I found over time was the more I learned sales techniques or body language, NLP, you name it. I was learning it for sales because after help desk, I moved into the sales. I became a sales engineer. I became the corporate trainer, you name it. What I learned was it taught me more about people than it did about product, mm -hmm. right? So product is a thing, but how you talk to people impacts how they feel about it. As a matter of fact, not great cold calling. I'll be honest with you on that. And, but you get me in front of somebody where I can build that rapport with people, that's where the power comes in. And I actually yeah. keep like the body language book here by Janine Drivers, You Say More Than You Think, that's a great book on looking and examining your own body language. And I have a whole an entire bookshelf over here full of books because I'm also an introvert. And that was the hardest thing is I had to figure out how to figure out people. And it started with books. And then as each skill learned, I learned a little bit more about people and then read how to win friends and influence people, right? How to read books like that, where it's about the other person. And that's where it changed for me is when you can learn to understand people, you can always learn a product, but people are what makes something happen one way or the other. I don't care if it's a romantic relationship, a professional relationship, you're hiring somebody to do something temporary. It's all about the people you're dealing with. Yes. And if you don't learn people, you're always going to be stuck because yes. con men are very good, right? And resumes lie and marketing. I had somebody reach out to me, cold DM the other day. They said, oh, do you want... Alex Hermosi like captioning on your videos and I can do that for you. And I said, that's funny. I know the guy who does Alex's. He said, I meant like Alex's, <laughs> but if people are very tricky in how they word things to get your attention. And so it, you have to learn to pay attention to the person because especially like you said, everybody's going to become 10 times more persuasive. You don't have to take a creative writing course anymore because you have chat GPT doing it for you. So it's going to be much more difficult to decipher who's legit and who's full of it. Yeah, absolutely. Now you mentioned a bunch of things in there and yes, we want to get to figure out who's legit and who's full of it in just a moment. But <clears throat> so we met at TNC, right? Traffic right. and conversion. Then right. we got to hang out with our friend, Steve Sims in Dallas yes. for one of his speakeasies. And I think I've told you this before, but I got to say it on air for make it on the record. I walked into the Steve Sims event and I expected to know no one and have to meet right. everybody. And you were the first person I saw. And like you, as an introvert, I was a little terrified walking in. 
Right. Right. I knew I needed to get over myself. And I walked up to you and you said, I know you. And man, that helped so much. And it really, honestly, it helped me understand as I learned more about you that just that art that you were just saying of learning to connect with people and be there with people and the relationship that you were building. So I wanted to dive there now. How do you do that? What are some of the things that you use other terms? You use body language, you use NLP, which I would love for you to tell people what that is, because some people don't know. Sure. I think the most important thing that we got to start with is why did I know you? Because I saw you at traffic and conversion, like you mentioned, but because of your brand Mm -hmm. and the hat, as soon as you walked in, I am not good with names, but I knew who you were. And so I'm like, oh, hey. And so I came up and talked to you. And the funny thing is this particular speakeasy is in my hometown, Dallas, Texas. So I felt like even though I was going strictly as an attendee, I paid just like everybody else. But this was, I need to play concierge too, because I helped Steve pick the venue and the locations we went to. So I had a vested interest in this particular one. But like you, when I see people, I know it's exciting. And for the people who don't know, when you sign up for Steve's event, he tells you what city it's in, but not who's going, not who's speaking and not where it's going to be until they only give you where the location is the week of. So they tell you a rough idea of where the hotel is, but that's about it. So for people wondering why you're walking into something that you had no idea who was going to be there, that's the gist. Wasn't the cult, y'all. <laughs> yeah, not at all. So several things. Body language was the first things I picked up because as an introvert, you watch other people, right? Not in a creepy way, but you get the idea. It's you're always trying to figure out how do people tick. And body language books are, there's a plethora of them everywhere you go. But body language is a reactive skill. So then the very first book I was ever given in sales was How to Win Friends and Influence People, which is still a very good book. However, this day and age, you don't normally meet in conference rooms versus people's houses or their decorated offices. Even if it's in their office, most people aren't allowed to decorate it at a company. Now, with like you and I working from home, doing Zooms from time to time when we're not traveling on the road, then I can show off my bookshelf or things like that. But this day and age, that's a very lost skill. NLP is Neuro Linguistic Programming. It was called the Science of Human Achievement. And what it was is it was some therapists and some psychologists tried to understand how people work, what makes them tick. And it goes into things like, do you understand how tonality works, body language in terms of mirroring and matching someone? Now, the problem with that is people are very aware of mirroring and matching. So if you cross your arms, I cross my arms. You cross your legs, I cross my legs. And so there's a pretty popular quote that is a tactic known as a tactic blown. And so people try and overuse mirror and matching. So I use it that if I happen to notice that we're in rapport because we're matching, I just take note of it mentally and say, oh, this is a positive instead of going, all right, what's he doing now? Okay. Yep. No, I got to stick my hands in my pocket. So we look the same. People can tell when you're trying to manipulate them. Right. And this absolute skill that blew me away, 2010, I actually found the original email where I sent my mentor in November 13th of 2010. A friend was coming into town. She said, hey, let's go to dinner. I said, great. I get to the restaurant. She calls. She's like, hey, I'm not going to make it. I'm like, oh, here we go. And she's like, oh, no, you need to come meet this guy. He was a keynote speaker at our event. I'm like, no, I've already sat down. I've already got my glass of wine. I'm chilling. And she's like, no, you need to come meet him. I go, why? She goes, he reads faces. And I go, oh, yeah, I'm going to rush over for that one. Does he also read palms <laughs> right. too? <laughs> and so I was the biggest skeptic. And because this guy altered my dinner plans, I went over there planning to just shoot holes in the guy, right? Like he's going to say generic things in life. Oh, you've had a hard time or something that applies to everybody. So I went in just guns blazing, right? And I met this guy 
and his name's Mac Fulfer, and he was an attorney who learned this for jury consulting and actually gave up his law practice because he found it was way more fun to figure out how to build rapport with people than it was to be in court with people. And so Fair. I get in, bad attitude. I'm waiting for this guy to screw up, and he dissects everybody at the dinner table, including me, to a T. And it wasn't generic things. It was very specific things. And basically what it is, he decoded us by looking and examining our facial features. And wow. I was instantly hoping, wait a minute, wait, how does this work? Why have I never heard of it? And it actually goes all the way back to the Greeks. And what's really crazy about it is it was taught to authors and artists because when you mm. used to write a book, the only way to describe characters in a book was through their actions and through their facial features. So we all understand phrases because we'll say things like keep a stiff upper lip. They've got an eye for this. They got an ear for this. Take one on the chin. We say, I like comedy. So we talk about highbrow humor and lowbrow humor. We actually understand it more than we think we do, but we haven't been formally taught because it was taken out of the academia back in the Renaissance age because at the same time, something called phrenology came up and that was bumps on the head. If you had a bump right here, it said you're a criminal and we're going to just throw you in jail. And learning to decode people's facial features is not about judgment. It's about learning to understand who they are. And then what do we have in mm. common and what do we have differently? And a very easy book that most people have heard of that's along the same lines is if you've ever read The Five Love Languages by Chapman, right? It's yes. about how do you receive things? How do you give things? But the, the thing we were taught that's right but wrong is the golden rule is treat other people the way you want to be treated. That's a narcissistic side. And the real golden rule is treat other people how they want to be treated. But people don't always know immediately when you meet someone, how should they be treated? Here's the crazy part. Our faces are like a map of where we've been. And so you can look at someone's facial features and actually understand a bit about them. And so I'll show you, like when I first met my mentor back in 2010, like I bought his book. It was called Amazing Face Reading. And I literally studied it and went through and looked at all these different facial features and then for the next 10 years, I did that. Now, the book is good. But what really helped is when he finally developed flashcards. And so the flashcards will describe a facial feature and then what goes along with it. So, for example, this is larger nostrils. And when you see larger nostrils, what does it mean? That's somebody who thinks in terms of abundance instead of scarcity. So you would have to change what you're talking about. So if somebody had a very small nostril, the easy way to think about it is they don't have air to share because they barely have enough for themselves. And then on the opposite scale of the spectrum is if somebody has large nostrils, they think in terms of abundance and they take on a lot of things. So there is no right or wrong facial feature, but it's learning how do you speak their language. Have you ever read A Man's Search for Meaning by Viktor Frankl? I haven't read it, but I know it. I think I actually own it. Yeah, it's a great book. The first part, when I say great book, the first part of the book is very tough because he actually went to a concentration camp during the Holocaust yeah. and it's his day-to-day -day experience. But the philosophy that came out of going through that experience is the people who were able to survive those atrocious situations were the ones who were focused not on themselves and self-will, but I want to see my wife again. I want to see my husband. I want to see my son, my daughter, my dog, whatever it is. When we make it about more than us, we get more out of life. And that's what I really loved about this skill was this is something, again, we're both introverts. The very first time I went to Steve Sims event, because I was a speaker, he actually added me to the Facebook group. And I went and looked to see who was saying, hey, I can't wait to go. I can't wait to go. And I went and analyzed all their pictures. And so what I did is when I walked in, I knew how to speak their language. 
And I'll talk about the three types of eyebrows here in a minute. But then I walked up to people and they're like, oh, hey, is this your second or third speakeasy? I'm like, no, this is my first one. But it helped me because otherwise I would have walked in and sat in the corner and shut up. Right. But because I felt like I'd already taken the time to get to know these people, it's like the difference between a cold lead and a warm lead. And so then you just go and you talk to people. And the basic way that I teach the acronym is FACE, F-A-C-E, is find the feature, assess the meaning, convert the meaning, and re-express what you want. And when you make it about learning, let me give just perfect analogy for this. I used to be the obnoxious American traveler when I was younger. I thought everywhere I go, they should speak English. And if they don't, I'll just speak it louder and somehow that's going to work, right? But when I learned to actually start learning basic phrases, when I traveled somewhere, my experience changed because right. when people know you're trying, they want to help. And so I learned basic, please, thank you. Good evening. Good afternoon. Where's the bathroom? You know, the important stuff. Yeah. And when you do that, people appreciate you trying and people can tell when you're giving them your time and attention versus this day and age where we're like, yep. Okay, cool. Uh-huh. Now, given where we've been the last two to three years, this is how most people spend our time, right? We only see so right. much of our bodies. And so while body language is still good, doesn't help you in Zoom. You don't got bodies and to look at. Exactly. And so that's what really changed everything for me was learning this skill. So it is hard for people to spell subtle skills. So for anybody, you can just go to decodetheface.com. It'll get you to my website as well. But when you learn to focus on other people, and more importantly, you give them your time and attention, that's what's so rare this day and age. And that's what builds rapport. One in 10 times, if I'm at an event and I bring up people after I speak and I'll say, all right, who wants to have their face decoded in front of people or have it analyzed? And one out of 10 people will tear up. And sometimes people cry. And my old reaction was step away. And then my mentor said, oh, no, you need to sit with them in that moment because it's the first time that they feel seen and heard in a long time. And wow. like on my Instagram, I have I just reposted it was a year ago. There was a girl there that she had all these amazing facial features. She had rounded eyebrows and a flatter upper lip and this little line here and all those. It's not about a facial feature. That's why I teach it so that people can understand the basics. But it's when you put the combination together, you kind of understand who somebody is. And she burst into tears and then she's hugging me and smiling later. And it's because she realized where she was stuck, but it took somebody else looking at her face to get her to realize it. Wow. And yeah, so wow. I call it the skill that makes people want to lean in and look away because we all want to learn how to build better rapport with people. But once you tell people, you know how to decode their facial features, then people are like, yeah, uh-huh, cool. <laughs> people run into that one and ask you to do it. But you've given a lot so far, right? Yeah. And it all sounds good. And I remember our conversation and hearing some of this stuff. I'm like, okay, this all sounds good. This all sounds good, right? I even remember you and I, we sat down and you looked at my face. You made me take my hat off. I did, I did. <laughs> and you looked at my face and you went through it. And what's hysterical is I've shared what you did for me with my mother. And mm -hmm. oh my gosh, she was just in tears laughing about how mm -hmm. right you were about so many different things. But here's where it really came for me was, I showed you a random person that you had never met before that I was going to meet and said, hey, let's talk about him. And right. you gave me some pointers of how to talk to him to get through to him and make sure that we were connecting that 
completely worked like a charm. Yes. So everyone listening is hearing both of us say all of this and saying, okay, but how? Sure. How do we do this? It's already something we know. Nobody's just dove into the language that we use. And I'll pop up on the screen here in a second. We'll run through a few slides. I'm going to show a QR code at the end to download the three basic types of eyebrows. The reason I teach eyebrows are because, especially for the introverts in the room like me, eyebrows lead to eye contact. And eyebrows you can look at from far away. Like I practice it in airports. The best people to ever practice this on when you learn it is servers because mm-hmm. you're teaching them a skill that can help them make tips and they'll love you for it. And what do most people do? Oh, I'll have this and that's it. And they don't even look at the servers anymore. Right. And so it's a way that you can give back while you're doing practice at the exact same time. Let me pop up a screen here and I'd love to teach some of the people. Yeah, please. And by the way, I like the idea, assume I'm full of crap, right? Because I assumed that for my mentor. And the whole thing was when I went out and tested it, that's what changed my life. And that's how you should be with basically anything is always go out and test. Don't believe me, but go out and try it. Can you see my screen okay? Yes. Gotcha. All right. So the whole goal of this is it's called the unfair advantage of you want to make people feel seen and heard. So if you look at the first picture, the person's making about their presentation. And so what happens is everybody's on their phone. Nobody's paying attention. But when you start paying attention to people, that's where life changes. So I mentioned earlier. There's a QR code. You can scan it or you can just go to decodetheface.com and you'll get a cheat sheet on the three eyebrows. But like I told you, we've all had some training because we say basic phrases. Keep a stiff upper lip. Take one on the chin. I could go on for days about it. And that's because authors and artists both used to take courses in what's known as physiognomy. So authors had to describe characters in a book. Artists had to go to learn how to draw people. So don't you think it's odd that no matter where you go, Devils all look the same. Angels all look the same. Witches, you name it. You can turn on any Disney show and you know who's a hero and who's a villain based on their facial features alone, right? All the villains have very pointed, angled features. All the heroes have strong jaws. That's not a coincidence. They actually used to take all the same courses in this, which is known as physiognomy. Now, I will tell you, it is called a pseudoscience because it's not 100% accurate, but it's damn in the high 90s. It's pretty surprising as to what it is. And... That's the problem is people see pseudoscience and they immediately stop. And so did I until I went out and tested it. And because it's not 100% scientific, but neither is body language. Body language isn't 100% because you can cross your arms because you're cold, not because you're angry or creating a barrier. So my advice is study it. If it works for you, you add it to your rotation. If not, you just dismiss it. People ask all the time, what about genetics? Genetics is what you're born with. Epigenetics is what you experience in life and how it has an effect on your body. So the example of that is the guy here who you can tell he only does upper body when he goes to the gym. He's got little tiny legs. That's not genetics. That's what muscles he chose to move. Well, our faces are no different. So here's a picture of me at 18 versus 38. And what you can see is when I was younger, I used to have straight eyebrows. And now I have angled eyebrows. My ears used to stick out more. My lips have changed. My chin has changed. All these things are the result of what I've experienced in life that's actually created that. So the angled eyebrow, you're going to learn what that means in just a second. When I became a corporate trainer is when that came into a play. And I did not go and have it threaded or whatever it's called. (laughs) (laughs) We talked about the world's changed. This is something that can help you in Zoom. But my favorite part, and you already hit on it, is it's something you can do proactively. You and I went out, found somebody on LinkedIn. We took a look at their face. We said, okay, do this, change this, do this. 
and that worked for you. So it's what you can do before you ever meet them, before you call them, you name it. And so it feels more like a warm lead than it does a cold lead. So it's so simple. Right. You just go out, you look them up. But the cool thing is once you learn the skill, then you can actually use it just walking into a networking event. So you don't have to go look up people in advance. It's just, we read faces top to bottom, left to right. And so I look for, on every person I walk up to at a cold meeting, eyebrows, eye angle, upper lip. Those three things are dangerous enough that I can figure out basically how to talk to the person. It's not how to, it's understand the basics of who they are, but it's what's my guardrails when I'm talking to them. We talked earlier, I'm a big fan of body language. I think everybody needs to get these two books. You say more than you think. And then what everybody's saying, you say more than you think is about watching your own body language. What everybody is saying by Joe Navarro is more of watching other people's body language. But as important as body language is, who would you rather talk to? Would you rather talk to whoop, the guy who's analyzing your face or the guy who's reading your body language? And this is where we get caught up is... If you're too focused on body language, then you're looking away. If I did this the entire podcast, nobody would watch it because we expect right. eye contact. And right. that's the best part is you're giving them your time and attention and they can feel it. And that's where the rapport is really built. So even if you're just thinking, what shape are their eyebrows? And you're focused on that for a second. Again, you get credit for the eye contact, but people know you're paying attention to them instead of just going through rote memorization of your script and your pitch. We right. talked about, I think everybody should read this, how to win friends and influence people. Anybody who's seen the voice in the voice, they all, if they sit like this, the judges, if they like what they see, then they turn around to see who the person is. Well, this makes perfect sense to me because instead of seeing three celebrities, I see, or sorry, four, I see people who have large ears and smaller eyes. Now they're not in direct comparison, but in proportion to their face. So when you see somebody who has larger ears, they tend to be auditory. So you say things like, can you hear where I'm coming from? Does it sound like a good idea? You use auditory phrases. Mm. If they have larger eyes, you use visual phrases. Hey, does it seem, seem like we're moving in the right direction? Or I always say, do you see where I'm coming from? Picture this. Mm -hmm. You can change the wording so you're attempting to speak their language. And people say, is that manipulation? Again, going back to the example I gave before, if I go to another country and I learn the language, it's a sign of respect. Instead of assuming that they should understand me, I'm Correct. attempting to make it to speak their language. Our friend, Steve Sims, we talked about, this is his LinkedIn profile. So you can go and look, and these are all the things that are easy to identify. He's got high ears, a rounded forehead. He's got what's called chameleon eyebrows. Each of these features tell you something about Steve. And so you can figure out, okay, how do I speak his language? And the funny thing, what actually got me to meet Steve is because I told him, hey, you need to trim your upper mustache so we can see your upper lip. I said, if not, people don't know how to talk to you. He's like, do you think I care? <laughs> no, he doesn't. <laughs> hey, you know what? We're friends now, so I'll take it. So here's the important thing is, look, today you're getting exposure. Go play with the cheat sheet. Go download it. Give it a try. If you want to learn more, reach back out. But I want to teach something that people can walk away with real fast. So we don't think about eyebrows until somebody points it out to us. But here, if you go and Google people without eyebrows, these are all celebrities. How, who do you recognize when their eyebrows are gone? Look at Nicolas Cage here, Angelina Jolie. We don't know how to talk to people when we can't see their eyebrows. And so we just haven't been formally taught on it, but it's crazy. So when you start looking at eyebrows, what do they tell us? Eyebrows tell us how do people take in and process information. So you can mm. start looking at people's eyebrows. So again, part of our language is if you listen, if you like comedies like I do, we talk about highbrow humor and lowbrow humor. Highbrow humor is somebody tells you a joke. It takes a minute for you to get the joke, and then you laugh. Lowbrow humor is like three stooges or jackass. 
And so when you start looking at people, you can literally look at them and say, okay, she's got a high eyebrow, meaning that the higher, the farther away from the eye it is, it's a high eyebrow. So anything more than one finger is a high eyebrow. So if you see somebody who has that, then you know that these are people who need time to make a decision. So if data is trying to race down their forehead to get into their eye, the higher the eyebrow, it has to slow down, go over the speed bump, and then keep going in. So they hate being forced to make quick decisions. However, on the opposite side, somebody whose eyebrows are so low, they get there fast. So the longer you take talking to this person, the more frustrated they're going to be. And you could do the one call close with this gentleman. But with her, if you tried that and you pressured her into doing a one call close, she's going to suffer from buyer's remorse and you will never get a referral in your life. And so this is how you just start looking at people. So you see the three people here. You go, okay, who has the highest eyebrows? She does. So I'm going to start talking to her first. Then I'll talk to her. Then her. Then the two gentlemen would be the next two because theirs are lower, closer to their eye lower eyebrows. So that's when you start working a room. Like I used to go do presentations for any customer over a million dollars. And when we go out there, I would look at who has the highest eyebrow and I'd start with them because I know they're going to need more time to digest the information and move on. So even let's go back to building your team. It's no different. Let's say this is our team and not a customer I'm selling. Then I know, okay, with the higher eyebrow people, I need to start first to give them time. And when you start learning to recognize and appreciate what their face tells you about them, then some of the frustrations go away. So another example is here in this slide is people who have very low eyebrows, they tend to interrupt. Well, I used to take that as somebody who is just effing rude. But when I learned that, it's just they get it so fast, they interrupt because they want to get you there as well. So you learn to start having grace when you learn to understand someone's face. And that's where it comes into team building, team bonding, hiring, you name it, is you can literally look at somebody's face and think, okay, this is what we wow. have in common and this is what we have that's different. And so learning styles, if I'm talking to somebody, you're going to learn the three eyebrows, we'll cover it real fast because I know we're running out of time. But I can look at somebody's eyebrows and already know, do they have an angled eyebrow like I do? Or do they have a straight eyebrow or a rounded eyebrow? And that's going to determine how I talk to them. Going back to that, there's three basic shapes to eyebrows, straight angled and rounded. So when you see a straight eyebrow, just think, get straight to the point, facts, figures, data, and stop talking. And then say, what other information do you need? Because they've probably already done their research ahead of time. And this is the gentleman that we talked to last time, right? He had very yep. straight eyebrows. So that's one of the things we told you to do is, hey, straight to the point, facts and figures. Salespeople misunderstand time on a calendar with effectiveness. Oh man, we had a one hour presentation that we were there for an hour and a half. They loved us. Not somebody with low straight eyebrows, they want you to be done in 15 minutes. So it's learning to adjust when you see those things. Next eyebrow, angled eyebrow like I have, what's my angle? Help me understand it so then I can help other people. So Ruth Ginsburg here, look at how angled her eyebrows were, right? So what did she have to do? She had to understand the law and then figure out how could she use it to help people. So once you help them understand it, they're involved in the process. So you ask them things like, hey, what do you think? Because right. you want them to learn it first, then they can help other people. Now, the important part about this is angle people, once they're invested in with what you're doing and they have vested interest, then they're the ones who give you referrals and reviews. And so that, why is that important? Because then you have the final one, which is rounded eyebrows. So rounded eyebrow people think about the people around them in their sphere first and themselves second. And so instead of going and talking about how they're going to benefit, like somebody with an angled eyebrow, you talk about how their friends, their families, their coworkers are going to benefit. Then you bring it back to them. 
And good examples of this, Oprah Winfrey. What do we know about Oprah? We know who she interviews and what she does for her audience. But we don't know that much about Oprah unless you go and look her up. Elon right. Musk could have retired after he sold PayPal. What has he done? He keeps reinvesting to create things for humanity. Tesla, now talking about going to the moon, everything else. Yes, people know who he is, but look at the industries he's done. He could have retired and been on a beach after PayPal, but that's not what he does. So that's how all these people come into play with each other. And then you just start looking at people and you go, okay, straight eyebrows, rounded eyebrows. And then right here, she's got an angled one and a straight one. Why is that? That's because we have two sides to our face. We have a personal side and we have a professional side. Easy way to remember is if I say, hey, are you married? It's a personal question. In the U.S., a wedding ring goes on the left hand. This is always the personal side of somebody's face. So then you just start looking at people and like rounded eyebrows here, straight eyebrows on him. She's got rounded here. Look at her. She's got rounded on this side, angled on this side. He's got angled angled. So you learn to start talking to people based on what their face tells you about them. Again, just one last example, straight eyebrows, rounded eyebrows. These were at a dealership. I did training for RV dealerships. So the way you would talk to him is, Hey, straight, low eyebrows. What, what's most important to you? Payment, interest rate, miles per gallon on the car. Ask him about data facts for her. I would make it about who are you going to go see? Who's going to go join you on the trip? You make it about the people around her. For him, you get straight to the point. And then you just start looking at people and you figure out these different things. And when I talked about people's sides of their face are completely different, look at how different this side of his face is versus this side, right? So you, mm -hmm. it depends on what you're talking about is how you change it. So to put a bow on it, the easy way to remember it is find a picture of them, assess the features that stand out, convert that message, like how do I speak their language and then express it back to them. And you do yeah. that one little step and it will change how you interact with people like you would not believe. Wow. And here's the cool thing. I call the company subtle skills because if you want to learn it, you can tell people what you're doing. But a lot of times you don't have to tell anybody. Like you don't pick up Janine's book here and walk in and say, hey, I just read a body language book and that's it. No, what you do right. instead is you just read a book and you test and see if things work for you. And if they do, you add it to your tool belt. But that's really the way it works. And it's crazy to me how people, I was hesitant too. So I don't mean to downplay it by any stretch of the imagination, but it's back to the point of when you learn to focus on other people, you learn so much more. And especially with us introverts, you get out of the prison of your own mind and into the present moment when you're looking at their facial features and you get credit for yeah. paying attention in a distracted world. That's awesome. That makes sense. And I mean, no, that makes great sense. It explains why I interrupt my wife and why she gets frustrated by it. <laughs> she said, I'm always cutting her off. But it also, mm -hmm. as I learned this from you, it's also started to make more sense. Even on my management team, for example, and we're having an issue that we need to solve right now. And so mm -hmm. yesterday I called one of the managers who I know is going to be intricately involved. And I told her about it because we're going to talk about it on Tuesday. And I know she right. needs time to think about this. Yes. Right? She needs a couple of days uh -huh. to process, right? I can't hit her on Tuesday and think we're going to have a productive conversation. It won't happen. Right. And mm -hmm. so it does, it, it helps in those types of ways of you changing the way you manage people, the way you see them so that they can be more effective 
which helps them feel better about their place within the company. Right. Right. I forget who said it. No, actually, it's a book. The shoot, what's the title of this book? But it says that there are three functions of of a CEO, people, Mm -hmm. culture, and numbers. Yes. And so many of us as CEOs miss that. And what you just gave us was a tool that we can use to help with the people side and the culture Mm -hmm. side in our organizations. Man, I told y'all, I promised y'all, he was going to give you something super practical today. It is. And eyebrows are just the start. Yeah. Like I said, I could go on, I could actually teach a half day course on just eyebrows alone. And I know it sounds funny because again, when I first learned this, people are like, Ooh, do you read palms? No. Are you a wizard? No. It's literally just what people's faces tell you about it. And like you're talking about being a leader, that's the thing. A dictator is somebody who demands that you do things a certain way. A leader is who helps you grow based on your skills and who you are. And that's what it helped me with even when I was a manager is I didn't treat everybody the same. Now, do we have the same goals? Yeah, of course, we have quotas and things like that. But people's faces told me, do I ask personal questions or not? And not get personal in a deep nature. But if somebody has a flatter upper lip, that's why we say Mm -hmm. the phrase, hey, keep a stiff upper lip. We mean don't be emotional. Kind of keep it all to yourself. So if you see somebody with a flatter upper lip, then you know, don't ask them a lot of personal questions. And now on the opposite side of that, once they start sharing information, that's a sign that you've built rapport with them. But it's all these little things. And you've got workers, some workers are sprinters, right? They work really hard, but then they need to take a 15 minute break. So they use like the Pomodoro technique. Other people are just, they may not get started on it fast, but they're going to pull an all nighter like they did in college, right? Where they will just focus and knock it out because they're more like a marathoner. And you can't expect if you have two people whose faces tell you that they're different to do work the same way. So you just have to figure out what is the end goal that you need, but how do you give them the freedom and flexibility to do it? Because I guarantee you, if you micromanage everything they do and you're expecting them to do it your style instead of theirs, you won't have that person very long. No, you And so that's why it's important to focus on other people. So I got to ask you the question because you just brought that up there. How do you tell someone's a marathon versus a sprinter and the way they work? Width of cheeks. So the farther away that the main point of their cheeks are from their nose, the farther out it is, think of it like a gas gauge. So when it's a short gas gauge, they got to stop and refill. When it's wider out here, it's when they have more. And people will automatically think, there's no way that's true. Okay, what's the number one sign on a face that somebody's ill? Sunken in cheeks. And what do they usually have? Exhaustion with that. And so that's why I know it's crazy because it hasn't been taught in school And that's why we dismiss it. I actually own what schools don't teach because I feel like I learned more outside of school that helped me in life than what I did in school is great. I'm not talking bad about school. It teaches you a lot of good things, but the things that got me farther in life are what I learned outside of modern academia. Yeah. That's thank you for that. Cause that's one of the things you've recognized is in hiring. There are some people that we need sprinters, Yes, right? We need people who are going to say, Hey, this is the task. I'm going to get it done. I'm going to get it done fast. And I'm going to get it done now versus there are other tasks that we need marathon runners. Yes. Or the all nighter who's going to make sure and go through and consider and so on and so forth. So yeah, we've been talking a lot about that recently. So thank you for that. I'll give you another example. I was at an event this past week and this guy had more than two lines across here and I'm like, okay, he's the perfectionist. So, you know, if you're going to send him a proposal, 
you better have all your grammar correct, all your punctuation done. And so, look, we need people like that who are almost perfectionists because there are idea people, there are implementation people, and then there are fine detail people who put the bow on it all. And that's where you start looking and figuring out where can this person come into play? Now, to the point, you can be moved into a position and then your face can change. So I mentioned earlier, having the angled eyebrow here, I didn't have until I became a corporate trainer. What does a trainer do? Mm -hmm. They have to learn the information first, then they can teach it to other people. And that's when that angled right. eyebrow came in was when I became a corporate trainer. No different than what I'm doing now. I have to learn the material first before I can teach it and to other people. Exactly. Help me get it and then help others. Gotcha. That's gotcha. it. Wow. We can talk for hours. And so we got to yeah. do this again and Absolutely. look at it some more because uh, I love this. And I, like you, was very skeptical when I heard from across the room, he reads faces when we were in Dallas. Yeah. And I was just like... Okay, I like the guy, and much like me, Brian has a brand. He's the guy in the vest, right? right. He's always got wonderful vests. And I'm like, okay, but you're reading faces. That's a little mm -hmm. hokey dude, right? Yeah. And so I asked you to yeah. do mine, and we've told that story and how it all worked out. So for you who are listening, do what Brian said. Be skeptical. Be skeptical. Mm -hmm. Because I think it's that skepticism, that healthy skepticism that will allow you to objectively look at this and see, will it actually work for you? And right. can you actually take this in and make it part of who you are and what you do? So Brian, I know you've put up a couple QR codes and you've right. set a couple websites and so on and so forth, but I want you right now, just tell everybody directly who you are, sure. what you do, who you serve and how they reach you. Absolutely. So I'm Brian Galkey. I'm based in Dallas, Texas. I'm the founder of subtleskills.com or everywhere on social media, go look up subtle skills because some people can't spell subtle skills. That's why I have decodetheface.com also. I work with corporations. I work with individuals. Sales is always the biggest one because a lot of people have to figure out how can they overcome walking onto cold leads? How can they better understand their customers? But it goes so much more beyond that. Team building, team bonding is more of my favorite work to do because you're helping an organization with their health. But it's team building, leadership training, one-on-one -on -one training, you name it. That's what I'm here for. Look, I was an introvert who was stuck in the prison of my own mind until I met Mac. And once I learned the skill, it got me out of the prison of my own mind and into the present moment, and my life dramatically changed. I went from being on the help desk to being a regional vice president of sales with over a $40 million book of business that I handled, wow. all because I learned to focus on other people. And the thing is, it's a business skill that is a life skill. And that's what I love about it is it can bleed over into your family life, into romantic life, friends, you name it. There's people I, so I just worked an event at a very prestigious house here called the Crow Library. And there were people who sit down and it's always couples who want to do it, right? And you dissect and say, I'll ask them, do you want to know what you have in common or what do you have that's different? And when you break down somebody's face, they're like, why do we go to a marriage council? I'm like, I know our faces tell us we just haven't been taught this, but I want to incentivize your people to test this, right? And that is download the cheat sheet. Look, if you don't want to give me your email address, just go to Instagram, Subtle Skills. It's on there as well. But I want you to go out and test it. Now, here's who I advise testing it on because this is where it gets fun. Teach it to servers. Practice it on talk to the person at Starbucks, right? Buying a cup of coffee for somebody else is great. Treating the person giving you the coffee creates a ripple effect. So if you treat them well, they're in a better mood. They take care of everybody else after you, right? Practice it when you go to restaurants and bars. I used to teach it to servers for fun when I was traveling on the road because number one, I was helping them make more money. And here's the fun side effect. Guess who got free food and drink from it? I did. Because <laughs> all of a sudden they're bringing everybody else out. I'll start with the waiter or bartender or waitress. 
and then they bring out somebody else. Then they bring out somebody else. Guess what? When I go back next time, they want to learn more and I'll get free stuff. Hotels. Nobody pays attention to who checks in at a hotel. If you learn to speak their language, I get upgraded in hotels all the time to suites. And it's not just because I ask. It's because I treat them like a person first. And then they usually just do it for me. And I use it at the airport because nobody's ever nice to the gate agent. They've had a bad day. Planes delayed. I was flying from Indianapolis back to Dallas. They wanted me to fly eight o'clock at night to New York, get there at two in the morning, sit at the airport till six in the morning, and then fly to Dallas. And I'm like, no, that's 14 hours of travel. Nope, nope, not going to do it. So I got to the airport early, had my carry-on. I went up to Lay. She was having a rough day. She had a rounded eyebrow. And I said, I know it's all your coworkers' fault. I know it's everybody else's fault about the weather and everything. So we're going to come and yell at you guys. And I said, in all seriousness, I hope everybody's doing okay today. I said, hey, look, I am on the eight o'clock flight. I have the second best seat in the house, exit row. But I would love to get on this three o'clock flight if you can get me on. Not only did she get me on the flight, she bumped me up to first class. Wow. And so what I ended up doing was getting flown to New York. I did an overnight in New York, went and saw some people I know who live there. And the next day at noon, got a flight back to Dallas, all because I took a few seconds to treat someone in the service industry like a person and not a servant. And that's where exactly. I want you guys to go and practice this. So that's awesome. That's it. Yeah. Brian, man, thank you. Of thank course. you for Thanks me back. And go try it. And, and listen, we want to hear how it goes too, right? So Absolutely. go to Subtle Skills, find Brian, let him know. Let him know that you tried it. Let him know what happened, all right? After you tried it on some servers and other people in the service industry who, yes, you ought to be taken really great care of. Take care of those who yes. take care of you. You've got great suggestion. Then start looking at your organization, your team, and start learning them too. All right, everybody, thank you for being here. Brian, thank you again, buddy. Such a pleasure. Hey, thank you for having Yeah, let's do it again. We will. We absolutely will. We'll go past eyebrows next time, or maybe we'll go deeper into eyebrows. Who knows? But yeah. I will see you next time. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Thanks, y'all.